reading from John's Gospel, chapter 4. If you want to follow it in the Bibles on the shelf in front of you, you need to turn to page 1066. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep running, coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. <clears throat> Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, 
for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, we're going to have Liz come and speak to us now. Um, we had a great laugh about this in staff meeting, um, as Sam pointed out that the woman at the well is preaching on the woman at the well. Um, <laughs> that's Sam's jokes for you. Um, <laughs> way quicker than I did. <laughs> okay, let's just pray for Liz uh, before she brings us God's word. Holy Father, we thank you for Liz, and we thank you for what she has prepared for us today. Uh, we pray that you would speak to us um, through what she has to say. Um, in your name, amen. Amen, thank you. Yeah, no, it took me an embarrassingly long time to get that joke. Everyone else was laughing. <laughs> but um, uh, it's good to be with you this morning. Um, uh, those of you who know me will know that um, I, I'm quite a doer more than a, like, I can't, I can't even stand still. <laughs> um, I like to do stuff. I'm not always so good at the planning. Shall we see? I've done it again. Sorry. Is that better? <laughs> I'm not so good at, at kind of the, the planning. I'm more of a, oh, let's have an idea. Let's go and do it and see if we can work it out as we go along. And, um, I'm not going to lie, sometimes that works out better than others. Uh, when I was at college, uh, we were in pastoral groups. Pastoral groups were essentially like, like our life groups and um, you kind of you did your stuff. And our pastoral group, I loved them all, but we were a complete and utter disaster. Um, <laughs> genuinely, um, we couldn't get anything done. Like we did a lot but we didn't achieve very much. And uh, kind of the college were like, oh, I know what we'll do. We'll get them some psychological testing. I know. So we all did these, this test, because you know, if only we understood what our gifts were, we would be better. And so they give us this psychological testing. And it turned out, I don't know, there must have been seven or eight of us in a group, and every single one of us was a doer. <laughs> there was not a planner or a finisher among us. <laughs> and um, kind of, I'm not sure we learned anything, but we kind of understood um, why we perhaps weren't quite so good at achieving the things that we wanted to do. Um, because however much I like, would don't like to admit it, sometimes if you want to go out and achieve something, you have to stop for two minutes and take a step back. I'm really disheartened by the number of people at the back who are still laughing at me about this. <laughs> I, um, this today, right, what am I telling you this for? Right, today, um, we come to the end of our year-long series on mission. 
And so I imagine that many of you are sitting there thinking, they've got the one in that talks about mission. She's going to tell us that we have spent a whole year hearing about mission. Now we have to go out and do it. Maybe you're thinking, what on earth have we heard that reading for? You know, if you're going to end a series on mission, surely you have a Bible reading of Jesus and the Great Commission. You know, a nice rousing one to say, Jesus says, go out and make disciples of all nations. But before you all race for the door to go out in your mission, I think maybe we might take a step back and go back to the beginning. Because the thing about the woman at the well is she reminds us that any good mission, and mission that's effective, not mission that means going out there and doing a load of stuff but achieving nothing, mission that is truly effective starts with a personal encounter with Jesus. Doesn't start the minute we go out, it starts before then with a personal encounter with Jesus. And I guess some of you are rolling your eyes inwardly and going, nice one Liz, tell us something we don't know. And it's true, nothing I'm gonna tell you this morning is rocket science. But I do think that sometimes we forget it. I think that sometimes in our very well-intentioned kind of desire to go out in mission, we forget the importance of the fact that it all starts with a personal encounter with Jesus. And I think the woman at the well challenges us to take a step back. And I think she does this for a couple of reasons. And I think first off is personal encounters with Jesus root our mission in integrity. Those of you who have heard me talk will um, probably have heard me say this again because I've said it before and I will say it again. But integrity is the best tool other than the gospel itself that we have for mission. Hands down. Because when you tell somebody about Jesus, they actually don't want to just hear about Jesus. They want to see that Jesus has impacted every single facet of your life. Because if you're talking about Jesus, but it's not played out in your life, then it's virtually meaningless. Um, when I was a teenager and into my uni days, I used to work for a DIY store. I know. Unfortunately, what this means is, I can tell you how to do an awful lot of DIY jobs most of which I have never actually done myself. So if you're trying to fit a kitchen, I kid you not, I am the worst person to have around <laughs> because I can tell you how it should be done. But I have absolutely no first-hand practical experience of fitting a kitchen. <laughs> it's the same with Jesus. You know, none of us want to go to hospital, do we? And a surgeon go, it's all right. I have read about this a lot. We want them to, we want to know that we've done. Do you know, it's not, we, if we're going to talk to people about Jesus, people don't want to know what we read in a book. They don't want to know what somebody else taught us for us to teach them. What they want to know is about your experience with Jesus. What they want to know is about how Jesus has changed you as a person. And we can only do that 
if we have personally encountered Jesus. And I mean more than once. Like you might have a fantastic story of when you first encountered Jesus in 1983. But I tell you, it's lost its value slightly when the person you're talking to says, I weren't even born then. I was, by the way. Um, do you see what I mean? Do you know, people don't want to hear about the past. They want to they talk to you and they want to hear about your real experience with Jesus now. If we want to go out in mission, then we have to be personally encountering Jesus so that we can go out and share that um, with integrity with other people. And so I think the first challenge for us this morning is to ask ourselves, when was the last time we personally encountered Jesus? Or when we, what would I say to somebody today if somebody said to me, what's Jesus doing in your life right now? And if you can't answer that question, perhaps maybe um, it's time to start carving out more intention time to encounter Jesus. Perhaps it could be just talk to somebody else that you know. Because you know what? People see Jesus at work in your life long before you do. But if we want to share Jesus with integrity, then we have to be encountering him over and over again. A personal encounter with Jesus roots our mission in integrity. But it also reminds us that we are not perfect. Um, I used to work with this guy called Pete, and um, you'd, you know, you'd do things, and Pete would come in and he'd say, Should we have a coffee and a catch up? You go, Oh, yeah, that'd be nice. And we'd go and have a coffee and we'd chat, and you know, it, would, it would be nice. And then later on in the day, I, um, I'd be doing something totally unrelated, and I'd be like, Hang on a minute, Pete gave me a row. And I would realise, it would take me all that time, and I would realise that actually what he had meant was, let me take you out for coffee so I can point out something that you should or shouldn't be doing that you're not doing. But do you know what? He did it in such a loving and a gentle way that I didn't realise that I'd had that row straight out. He didn't say, Liz, let's go for a coffee so I can tell you what you're doing wrong and you can feel bad about yourself and worthless and like you're terrible at your job. He didn't take me for coffee to tell me how bad I was so that he could make himself feel good about himself. He did it in such a way that meant that I had the opportunity to go away and reflect on our conversation and think, ah, maybe I should change that about the way that I'm doing whatever it was. And it strikes me that this is exactly what Jesus does with the woman at the well. When Jesus meets her, um, he could have gone all guns blazing and he could have said straight out, right you, I know absolutely um, all about your lack of sexual morality and by the way, whilst we're talking about it, would you like to know that the whole town is talking about the fact that you are one of those women? Alternatively, Jesus could have gone to her and to save everybody's blushes, he could have just said nothing and left it go. But Jesus doesn't do either of those things. Jesus comes to the woman and he talks to her and he has a conversation and he gives her the opportunity, he gives her the, the opening that if she wants to be honest with him, then she can. 
And so Jesus asks her the question, and she is honest with him about her marriage situation. Is that the, I don't know, you know. And this is important. I think this is important for a couple of reasons, because first off, it means that when the woman comes to Jesus and is honest with him, and all her sin comes out, she doesn't then have to run away in shame. She stays with Jesus. The conversation isn't over. She's not made to feel worthless or terrible. But equally, when she's open with Jesus and they talk about her sin, she realizes that Jesus isn't running away either. That here is a man who knows all there is to know about her, all the nasty, horrible things. And he is still there, still talking to her. And that, I think, is amazing. Because, you see, really, that's what Jesus does with us, isn't it? When we have a personal encounter with Jesus, Jesus makes us very aware of our sin, very aware of the things that we're doing or not doing, that we should or shouldn't be doing. But not in a way that makes us feel like we're worthless. Not in a way that makes us feel shame and that we have to run away and that we can't be near Jesus. He does it in a way that is gentle and a way that is loving and a way that allows us to reflect on our own behavior and come to the conclusion of of what we need to do ourselves. He does it in a way that maintains our relationship with him. The trouble with it all is, is sometimes, sometimes when you say the word mission, what some people hear is, oh, let's go out and tell people what terrible, miserable sinners they all are. Genuinely, I have seen this on so many occasions. We say, let's go out in mission, and people think it's French for, let's go and tell people what bad people they are. It's really important for them to know what their sin is. Unlike integrity, this is a really, really bad tool for mission. It does not, it does not end well. What normally it ends with is with people running away and vowing never to go to church and never to talk to a Christian ever again. We are not called to go and tell people about their own sin. We are called to tell them about Jesus. And it is Jesus' job to lovingly and gently do all the rest. And this is important for us to remember because there is not a single one of us who are here other than by the grace of God. And when we are encountering Jesus and we are reminded that we are not perfect, we are reminded that we, are not, we do not have it all sorted. We have experienced God's grace, that is all. And it's so important that we remember that. And it's really important that we remember that because it stops us becoming judgmental numpties, but also... When we go out to talk to people and we are aware of just how much we need God's grace, 
then it changes the way that we view the people that we're talking to. And it changes our hearts and our attitudes. And I promise you, when we go out in mission, focused on the fact that we are only here because we have God's grace and that we are not perfect, then it goes far, far better than simply pointing out other people's sin. Personal encounters with Jesus root our mission in integrity. They remind us that we are not perfect, but also they are often surprising and unexpected. Now, um, I don't know, like, I don't know what was on the woman at the Wells to-do list on that particular day, but I am guessing that uh, meeting Jesus probably wasn't on the list. You know, (coughs) excuse me, she goes to the well at a time when no one else goes because she is one of those women, so she doesn't want to see other people. So first off, it is surprising that she actually meets someone else. Secondly, it's surprising because she meets Jesus. Well, she meets a Jew and a man, and he talks to her. And this is before we get to the point that he knew far more about her than he should have done. It's a surprise to her. And you know, so often, when we have a personal encounter with Jesus, Jesus surprises us, and he teaches us or tells us the unexpected. You know, I definitely remember not applying for a job in Aberystwyth. I definitely remember driving into town and saying to Kai, we will never live here. (laughs) When you have a personal encounter with Jesus, sometimes he surprises you. But you know what? We have to be open to the surprise. So often... uh, in, in churches, you, we, we, we faff about kind of how we're going to worship and, and what we're going to do. And, and we do it because we say, you know, we've got to do this so that we can encounter Jesus. We've got to do it like this so that I can, I can meet with Jesus because I meet with Jesus like this. Or we do it like this because people will only meet with Jesus if we do this. And, and I'm not saying it's not well-intentioned. But do you know what? Sometimes in saying that, we inadvertently put God in this tiny little box. This box that says, this is the only way we meet Jesus if we do this. And I just wonder, I wonder how many, how much we miss out on when we tell God how we meet with him. I wonder how much more um, we would experience if sometimes we said, oh, just going to do that and see what Jesus does because sometimes Jesus likes to to surprise us I won't bore you with the story now but um, I recently in the last couple of years um, have have discovered the joys of silence and solitude in meeting with Jesus and um, yeah that's been a surprise The woman at the well comes and she is surprised by Jesus. And then Jesus starts talking about this living water and she doesn't get it. She doesn't get it at the beginning because he's not talking about it in a context that she expects. He's not talking about it in the way um, that she she would normally hear water talked about. uh, But Jesus keeps explaining it to her. 
And eventually she starts to get it. She doesn't fully get it, but she gets it just enough. And as she gets it, she decides that she's all in. And in that moment, this surprising and unexpected personal encounter with Jesus changes her life. And it doesn't just change her life, it changes the lives of other people. Because ultimately, and most importantly, a personal encounter with Jesus drives us to mission. It can't not. And when I talk about mission, I am talking about sharing Jesus with other people. Because you know what? If we are engaging in mission so that we might grow our church or boost our finances or whatever, then we may as well give up and go home and not bother. Because that is not what mission is. Mission is simply sharing Jesus with other people. If they come to church after, that's lovely. Discipleship is really important. Don't get me wrong. But you know what? If they decide to go to church somewhere else, that's all right too. Mission is just about sharing Jesus with other people. Everything that comes after, comes after. But mission is about sharing Jesus. And this is what the woman does. The woman has this personal encounter with Jesus. And if we'd read on just a little bit, um, we would have seen that the disciples come back and they talk to Jesus and the woman takes her opportunity to slip away. But she doesn't slip away to go back to her other, or her normal life, whatever that was. She goes back to town and, um, well, essentially, oh, I so wish I'd been there, but essentially what happens is anyone who stands still long enough to listen gets to hear about what happened to her at the well. Literally, I, I love it. I just love the thought of like, she has this experience with Jesus and she's got it in her and it just bubbles up out of her to the fact that she cannot contain it. I don't think it mattered if they wanted to hear about Jesus. They heard about Jesus because she'd met him and it was exciting and it was life-changing. And that is the kind of excitement and uh, enthusiasm that we need to be going out in mission with. And if we haven't personally experienced Jesus, then we cannot go out into mission with that kind of enthusiasm because we're just talking about something that we don't really experience. Or we're just talking about something that happened 20 years ago. When we experience Jesus for ourselves and we allow him to uh, gently heal us from our sin, when we allow him to surprise and teach us the unexpected, when we allow him to change and transform us, then we cannot keep it in. Then we are literally driven to share that with whoever comes into contact with us. And possibly, if there's any more bits of this passage that are my favorite, the bit that I love the most is this. She goes to town and she tells everybody about Jesus and no one comes to faith. <laughs> because again, isn't it, sometimes we go out and we do stuff in mission and no one, we tell someone about Jesus and they don't fall on the floor and they don't give their life to Jesus right there and we think, well, what was the point in that? and we get disheartened but no one comes to faith they don't go that's brilliant I'll take your word for that actually what happens is she goes and she tells them all about Jesus 
And what they say is, that sounds brilliant. And we can see that it's actually changed your life. So actually what we want to do is we want to go and find this Jesus for ourselves. And they go off and they find Jesus for themselves. And then they come to faith. One woman's personal encounter with Jesus winds up with half a town coming to faith. It's brilliant, isn't it? It all starts with a personal encounter with Jesus. And I'm going to shush now. But before I do, (laughs) I'm just going to pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that your love for us is never-ending, that it is unfailing, and that your grace and your mercy surround us. Father, we thank you um, that that when we go out in mission, we don't go out on our own. We thank you that we go empowered, encouraged, and equipped by you. And we pray, Lord, we pray, Lord, that today we would be a bunch of people who take seriously our need to personally encounter you again and again and again. That we would be people who come to you, open to be changed and transformed by you, so that we might be driven out in mission driven out to share your name with the people that we meet, not so that we might grow our church, but so that they might search for you themselves, that they might find you and encounter them for themselves too. Amen.